This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Kenyan Wall Street Podcast. My name is Ali Mwakaneno, your usual host, and uh, today I am sitting with Elizabeth Osuna Ocho, who is the Director of Business Banking at APSA Bank Kenya PLC, and she's also one of the top 10 finalists of the Angaza Awards. And uh, since she is one of the top finalists, we want to know her better. We want to understand the story behind behind the woman and what are some of the things that she has done that warrant her to be amongst the uh, top 10 women in banking and finance in east africa welcome to the show elizabeth thank you very much ali i appreciate you having me on this forum today so um tell me a little bit about your career what was the journey to becoming a director at absa Wow, <laughs> it's been a long journey. Let's just say it has been a very long journey. Um, you know, my journey started out much earlier on when I finished high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to interact with different uh, opportunities, different businesses. But I think the one thing that struck me even at that point was, um, you know, how do banks work? And and the reason why I picked banks was because I had, you know, two aunties who worked in the bank. So you would interact with them, see how they dressed, see how they, you know, tackled issues. They were very strong women in short. So when I went to college, um, you know, I wasn't very clear still what what I was going to do, you know, making sure that I was going to do business, but I'm not sure where. Right. When I finished college, I got an opportunity to work in the bank. I worked in Barclays Bank as an intern. And in that opportunity, I think that is when I really got the flavor of what banking was all about. And I think that began my journey uh, into the banking world. I finished, I, I completed the internship in Barclays and uh, went back to college to do my MBA. And as I did my MBA, I was very clear that it was banking that I was going to do go back to. But little did I know that going back to banking didn't mean that I was going to go into um, like a manager situation, you know, right. or <laughs> as a, a general manager or something like that. No. And, you know, this is the disconnect sometimes when you have professionals coming to other schools or colleges to talk. You get senior managers, CFOs, MDs, they come to the bank. The, the, the image they portray and what happens in reality is totally different when you join the organization. So I joined the organization as a graduate trainee. Um, despite the fact that I had my master's, you know, and I think those are some of the things that you have to demystify for a lot of students when they, when they join an organization. So started pretty much at ground level and worked my way up. So from a cashier into customer service, into branch management, um, and then, you know, worked my way into business, uh, personal business, and then into business banking, mm-hmm. where I really grew and thrived in. Uh, because of the opportunities that found in the environment. So really, it's been a journey. Um, it's been a long journey, 20 years plus. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is quite so, a journey. Yeah, so it is, it is one that um, I'm proud of. Um, I think it has taught me a lot as well, because when you do it that way, then you sort of like know what it takes to grow a business. Yes. You know, when you describe it as a, as a journey, of course, there are the milestones that we celebrate and then there are the challenges that we overcome. What are those for you? 
My goodness, challenges are many, but I think it's how you view them and how they change the way you think that really makes a difference. I think for me, my biggest challenge, even as I went into the banking fraternity, and this is on a more on a personal level, I found that I was a very introverted person. So the question of, of you know working hard was there, I would be able to do as much work as possible, but the interaction you know you had to interact if you're going into business domain there's no question about sitting with people and getting to know them and listening to them and talking to them that had to change so i also had to do profiling where i figured out what is it that i need to dial up for me to be able to show up and have conversations and really pack my introverted nature aside and make sure that i could come out and communicate better so that was a challenge as an individual and i think a lot of people go through some of those and think that because you're introverted you can't do some of these jobs right no you can you can this is just an opportunity and uh, if you know yourself you know your weaknesses you can be able to overcome them yeah so that was one i think the other one i'd wanted to share because it's important to share is as you move up to top level there are lots of um, challenges in terms of working hours and being able to, you know, uh, travel around quite a bit. And I know uh, working in one of the top banks again, I got an opportunity to work out of the country. And you know, these are situations as a woman, sometimes we turn these opportunities down a lot of the time. But why? Well, because you're always thinking, uh, my family is going to suffer. I won't be there for them. Maybe I'm being irresponsible to some extent. But the truth of the matter is, if you have a structure around you that supports you, you uh, communicate with your partner, you know, you're able to have, um, you know, first of all, on the home front, people who can be able to support you as far as your children are concerned, have a way of interacting with them. You'll find by and large, you really, you can manage the situation. You can manage the situation. And perhaps you're being able to be a better you, yeah, in terms of career and challenge, uh, challenges that level makes you a better person. So I think for me, being able to, to work out of the country and come back really made me a better person because again, you also do appreciate your family more. Yeah, so I just thought I'd share that because a lot of women actually turn down opportunities to do things like that. And yet it's really an opportunity for you to grow your, yourself. I, I, I love the fact that you talked about uh, most women tend to turn down opportunities because they have to consider you know, other important things in their life and, and family is definitely one of them. I tend to believe that, you know, our workplaces, the organization working half a mile and, and the employees working the other half. What do you think are some of the changes that perhaps we could have that could accommodate more women rising to top level management just to make sure that, you know, the decision to taking up a new role or um, changing a work location doesn't boil down to choosing between career and family? Yeah. Uh, it's a good question, um, Ellie, because I think the answer lies in the preparation. The answer lies in the preparation. As women move from one level to the other, it's important to have conversations about what are the what is the impact of that move. And it shouldn't be a conversation where it's just one um, step above you. You should be talking about what are the what are the changes that you go through on the different levels. And I think this is why it's important for women. You know, not just myself, but women across leadership. They must you know talk about what are the things the challenges they've gone through and how we should be able to support you know the women coming up much better today if a woman asked me 
you know, I'm being, I've been transferred to Uganda or Tanzania. What do you think I should do? I'll tell them, take it. But first and foremost, have conversations with your partners and people who can be able to support you internally and see how to structure that better. You know, maybe by sharing my experience, I'd be able to edify them or enable them, you know, to have those bold conversations and to see how to manage. It's not easy, but I think it's something that, you know, it, it, it grows you as a person, mm -hmm. even as you take up those challenges. Yes. Away from organizations and and women scaling careers, Elizabeth, let's get to you a little bit. What book are you currently reading? <laughs> um, interesting you should ask that question, uh, Ellie, because I find it very difficult to just read one book at a time. I'll probably read two or three books <laughs> because, you know, it is it keeps me engaged. You know, I probably get bored of one and then move to the other. But it's a habit that I have I've had for a very long time. So the two books I'm reading right now are really around growing myself. And both of them are from John C. Maxwell. So the first one is Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. It's a book that really speaks about um, improving skills of connection. You know, how do you connect better? What are the different things that you need to dial up to connect better? When you walk into a room, how do you manage that? Um, when you're dealing with difficult people, how do you connect that? You know, it's just not about talking. It's just how do you connect? And that has really been engaging. The second book I have also from John C. Maxwell, it talks about uh, becoming a person of influence. And this is around really changing attitudes and sometimes having to play into different scenarios. So um, just being a person of influence, and especially with the platform that I find myself in today and the people that we interact with today, I find that the more you understand how to be influential, the better you are as a person. So that book is quite interesting to me. So I'm looking forward to finishing it and and, and passing it on to others who <laughs> might need it. <laughs> yeah, so those are the two books. And apart from that, of course, I think we can't. I can't forget to talk about the Bible because I think as a person of faith, I find that in the Bible, there is anything and everything that's, you know, that is edifying, that gives you strength, you know, that um, moves you to the next level. And um, some of my favorite verses, for instance, are in uh, Psalms that talk about, you know, I think it's in Psalms 46.10 that speaks to be still and know that I am God. Sometimes you need to still things for you to really focus on, you know, the, the higher being. So I um, thought to share. Those are the three books I'm reading at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, away from the books, let's talk about uh, the Angaza Awards. You know, um, of course, being being a person from the company that that's behind the awards, we we have our reasons which we think are are important, or rather, we have our rationale behind highlighting the achievements of of women. But then, I'd like to to hear your thoughts um, as a person, of course, who's been recognized in in multiple platforms. Why do you think it is important to highlight the achievements of employees and uh, women specifically? Yeah, um, an interesting question because um, I think this is something that we need to do a lot more simply because of the way women are. And, um, and not just women, sometimes I say that it's important that we don't lose sight of, of, of the boy child as well. So whereas when we highlight women and their achievements, um, the focus has always been to try and see how to, um, you know, motivate the, the girl child. But I think the boy child also needs to know that they have a strong mother, a strong sister, a strong, you know, aunt. The woman is also a person who can be of strength and should be acknowledged for the things that they do. Mm -hmm. And especially in the workforce, because um, they're also contributing to the economy. They're contributing to, you know, the environment they support. So it's important that we acknowledge women for what they are and for what they contribute 
similar to men. I mean, it's not to say that today we should stop acknowledging men and their achievements. No, it's just that women also need that space to be acknowledged um, so that we grow equally, you know. And um, the other thing about women is that when we acknowledge them, especially because they're still behind in terms of development, you know, compared to the men folk, they need to see that they have the capability. If one woman can, the others can as well. And just to know that, you know, as we share, we could be from similar backgrounds. It means that we can. I could have been from a worse background. I can. It doesn't stop you. It's all about what is in your mind and what you're focused on doing. Um, and able to acknowledge women and let them speak about these things really, really is a motivator to a lot. So I think from that perspective, it's important. Why did you decide to pursue this opportunity? Why did you apply for the Ngaza Awards? Um, Okay, so first and foremost, I think just typical woman, I didn't actually apply for it. I, you know, this we spoke about it a bit in the office and I think one of my colleagues came and said, look, this is an opportunity for you to actually showcase what it is a woman can do. And, you know, you know, my first intent was to say, yeah, but somebody else can do it. Right. But then in retrospect, um, it's an opportunity, you know, that not many women get. And I thought to myself, why not take that opportunity just to showcase the ability of, you know, when a woman puts their mind to something, what can they achieve, you know? And, um, you know, together with my colleagues, we were able to sit down and say, this is what we've been able to do. This is what I've done. And just help me put things together. And this is the outcome. And I mean, it was a pleasant surprise to be called and as one of the finalists for the Angaza Awards. But it's also motivated me now to go back and tell the other ladies, you know, you know, you can. It's possible. Some of you have done even much more. And I believe there are lots of women in our environment who have done even much more than what I purport to have done. Mm -hmm. But they have been shy about sharing, you know, shy about stepping up and being counted. And, and yet this is an empowering platform for us to be able to say, you know what, women can. And so let's just encourage them to do so. You know, the Angaza Awards looks at the achievements of women from a multifaceted point of view. Mm. There is uh, the impact that you've had within the, the banking and finance sector, which of course includes the banking sector and the insurance amongst other subsectors. Mm. And there is what you have done, you know, outside the office. Yeah. What are some of your contributions to the banking and finance sector since you're the director at APSA? I'll speak to maybe two or three things that really stick out for me. Um, having joined APSA uh, perhaps about three, four years ago. Right. Um, and this has been critical in being able to drive a business banking business. Uh, we've been able to revive the SME proposition in the bank. And today, um, from a point at which was not really necessarily profit making today, we're one of the fastest growing uh, businesses that we have in the bank. So just being able to restructure that business um, has really changed things for us as a bank. And we'll continue on that level. Number two, being able to really structure the team so that it's a team that can be able to work efficiently. I think improving the efficiency of the team, and of course, this is not in isolation, but some of the initiatives I had to drive, you know, together with leadership was to try and see what does a team entail? Are we strong enough? Do we need to add? Do we need to change? Do we need to train? Just so that we make sure we have a strong team. That has been the second thing that uh, I've, I've championed in business banking. And the third thing is around the women proposition, which we launched just like a, more than a week ago. You know, we were able to craft a proposition for women and being one of the first banks to be able to clearly say this is our proposition that speaks to a holistic um, effect on women. So we're talking about non-financial and financial support specifically for women across all our network in the branch. And this for me is very powerful because that sets the pace 
you know, for the other organizations to also follow through. And it's not to say that our, you know, as a bank, we'll be able to do everything. We need more banks. We need financial institutions to be able to step up and support women to move forward. So I think those three things would be, you know, some of the things I'd be proud to speak about um, having achieved in APSA. Tell me more about the proposition for women. You talked about the financial and, you know, the non-financial bit and you got me yeah, interested. Interested, yeah. It's been a journey also to try and create and craft a proposition for women. So a lot of organizations uh, provide financial support for women, you know, and this is around giving women loans, grants to be able to go with their business, you know, how do they get money to be able to start buying things and selling, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter, when we spoke to women across Kenya, one of the things that came very clearly is that whereas they would want to do that, between two to seven years, majority of the businesses failed. Right. Yeah. And so it got us thinking, what else can we do to support them? So the things that came clear are the pillars that the business sit on were quite shaky. And they talked about whereas access to finance is one, but they're looking for information. How do we set up our business? How do we make sure that it's compliant? How do we make sure that we can be able to, you know, create business plans? How do we have business continuity plans? So it spoke to more than just the financial piece. You can give a woman money, but if you don't show them how to be able to manage that money proactively, then you're going to lose out. And this is just a woman thing, but, you know, especially for women, because they were coming from a point at which they don't have that information readily available right. in the community that they work in. So we've provided in our proposition four key things. Access to finance, that is one. We're saying that especially because women don't have um, title deeds and those sort of security documents. Collateral. Collateral documents. You will be surprised to know that less than 10% of women in Kenya today, titles are issued in it. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And here we are as a bank then saying that we want to lend money, but you must have a title. You see, that became, you know, one of those difficult situations. So you have to go and borrow a title from your father, your, you know, your uncle, whoever it is that had a title or mm -hmm. joint titles, because that's what it is. So our proposition speaks to unsecured lending. We increase the limits up to 10 million, which is a first of its kind in Kenya. We then said some of the things that they require is around trade finance. So how do we offer unsecured bid bonds? How do we provide LPO financing? How do we provide invoice discounting? So those are things that we have provided in the women proposition under financing. Under the non-financial pillar, which in my view is a more important piece, especially for women, is making sure that we have provided them with access to markets. Mm -hmm. So in partnerships with the different organizations, we've chosen to interact with International Center for Trade. Yeah. We've also looked at we interacting with Kenya National Chamber of Commerce and Industry. We've talked about interactions with the Organization of Women in Trade. We are looking at support from Chamber of Trade. Yeah. So there's lots of organizations that we've partnered with to be able to support the woman in being able to access markets. The third pillar that we thought was very important was around um, the issue on mentoring and coaching. So you can teach, but then the, the support that you get after the teaching is important. How do I come into your office and ask you, what did you understand? Um, you know, what is it going to mean in terms of changes? What can I hold you accountable to over a period? So it's mentoring and coaching that women did not have. So that is being provided in this proposition. And I think finally, an opportunity to network. Again, with the various partnerships that we have, we are better able to provide women with the networks they need, just not on a local basis, national basis, international in Africa, 
and international worldwide based on the partnerships that we have. So it's just letting women know that if you desire your business to grow beyond just where you are, the opportunities are there. So those are the four pillars, and that is the basis of the proposition that we have for women today. I think that's a beautiful proposition. Thank you. Thank you very much. Elizabeth, away from what you've done as a leader in APSA, what are some of other initiatives that you have maybe in your personal life that contribute to society and perhaps help to empower women? Um, interesting that you should ask that. So what I believe in is not necessarily crafting anything on my own because I think a lot of organizations, women have taken a lot of time to craft, uh, create organizations um, across. And, and one of the things I found very edifying for myself, you know, is to be able to support them for the things that I find and come naturally to me. So when I speak to this, we've been able to mentor and coach, you know, uh, different uh, groups of women. I've been able to go back to my school, my former school, you know, to support in career conversations, which I really do enjoy because, you know, the kind of questions that are asked today are very different from the ones that we asked way back then. Right. So that is very interesting. Apart from that, I also do support, you know, mentoring and coaching also women who are entering into business or are in the process of growing their business by partnering with uh, organizations like Candid Conversation that is run by a good friend of mine, Patricia Okello. Mm -hmm. And in that conversation, I've been able to, you know, speak to the women, support them, guide them for whatever it is that they're looking for. And for me, I think supporting women groups like those has been very edifying. Apart from that, also supporting disadvantaged children has been one of those things that I, I follow through on. So I do support a group, um, a WEMA center, which is based in Mombasa. From time to time, we've I've been active in trying to support them in fundraising. Mm -hmm. So I would say that I, I tend to dive into groups as opposed to create my own and therefore have a variety of things that I'm able to do to support the environment I find myself in. So you applied for the Angaza Awards and of course are based on the different metrics that we've, we've discussed here, including your contributions as a team leader and your contributions outside the office. You managed top 10. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Ali. What now? What does this award mean for you going forward? I think for me, um, you know, there's a there's a, a lady, Madeleine Albright, who said it took me quite a long time to develop a voice. And now that I have it, I'm not going to be silent. Yeah. And when I say this is because it has helped me figure out um, a platform that I can use to support a lot of business. And it's just about women in business, because that is what we find ourselves championing at the moment. But SME business is also something that I champion, being able to support them. I also want to look at the Kenyan businesses. And this is also corporate because the idea from where I sit, the knowledge that I have, let me share. If one person is better because of listening to what I've said or um, interacting with me, I'll be happy. Yeah. So just making sure that I can share as much as possible in a positive manner, just to give people hope, the motivation to be able to go ahead with their businesses mm -hmm. and, and see how to grow. I think that for me would help me sleep better at night. <laughs> yes. So next year, the Angaza Awards is actually going regional. So yeah. while the one you participated in was East Africa centric, the next one will have a more Africa, um, African focus. What advice would you give prospective applicants? And maybe in retrospect, if you reapplying for Angaza Awards, what would you have done differently? Okay, so to the, to the first question, I would tell women apply. 
that's where you start. You must apply. And I think now knowing what the Angaza Awards means, I'll be more proactive in prodding others who I believe should apply for this, you know, because like I said earlier, there are lots of women who are doing a lot of stuff and, you know, they should be acknowledged. They should be, you know, celebrated for what they're doing, because I think in doing that, we'll be able to encourage a lot more women to step forward. Um, what would I do differently? I think it is important for women and, and, and I guess people in general to just know what are your strengths. You know, just don't, don't take it for granted. Um, don't sweep it under the carpet. Make sure that you know what you do and do well. And don't be afraid to talk about it because in that talking about it and putting yourself forward, it can only get better. Nobody can take that away from you. But also it would support others in being able to step forward. So for me, I think on a personal level, it would it has helped me think about um, what are the things that I have done and that I'm proud of and I can document. And there's nothing that will take that away from me and not being shy about it. And it's not being boastful. It's just acknowledging the facts for what they are and not diminishing that. So I think I'd be a bit more bold in how I portray myself um, with that in mind. So yeah, that's my share. I'm not so sure I, I got um, your first advice clearly. Yeah. The advice that you would give prospective applicants beyond just applying. Okay, so remember for women, let, let me just make that very clear. For women, we see these awards and it just passes. You will find a lot of women do not even apply. We just think it's a, maybe it's a lot of work or we're going to put ourselves out there and you know, there's just that fear. So first and foremost, applying is the first place. And I would encourage women to step forward and just be counted. Apply. Applying does not mean that you're being boastful. Applying does not mean that you are bet you're, you're going to feel better than others. It's, it's your opportunity to showcase what you have done and be counted for it. So that is why I say application, you know, maybe from a male perspective, you do not see the, the, <laughs> the issue around it. Yes. The, the straightforward step. No, it isn't for women. And, 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 and that's why I said, sometimes you have to actually go and say, you, 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 you need to apply. You need to apply because you have what it takes. And to my point earlier, when I said that, you know, I find there are lots of women who are perhaps even have done more than what I've done, but did not apply. Why? because they just didn't get to the point of application. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's important to encourage women to apply. I think that's quite, quite clear. Mm -hmm. Given your experience um, in business banking, your, your involvement in various projects that um, seek to make it easier for business people in general to access finances and knowledge and women specifically to also access the same resources and at this capacity as finalist of the Angaza Awards, what would be your last words for this? <laughs> I think my words would come from another quote I read um, just by Melinda Gates. It says, a woman with a voice by definition is a strong woman. Yeah. And um, for me, that quote just meant that we need to get more and more women stepping out and talking and speaking and being heard because the more we have up there the more opportunities others will be able to see the more they realize this is not impossible you know women we tend to walk in packs we want to walk in packs and i think if one goes ahead pulls the rest ahead it's, it's a better situation than everybody sort of like sitting back and waiting 
So for me, I think it's important that women step forward, um, first and foremost, for their awards, apply, like I said earlier on, but also to know it's a platform that you can use to edify others, to grow others, to motivate others, and both for a boy child and a girl child, as I mentioned earlier. So from that position, I think Angaza has done well in reaching out to the women across the East African domain, because it's just a Kenyan thing. It's just to show that women across the East African domain have done well. Um, I look at the panelists that I've been paired up with in the top 10 awards. I am actually I'm amazed to see some of the accomplishments. It's inspiring. It's motivating to me. And uh, for me to be sitting with them, it's, it's a good platform to be. And I'm grateful to the Angaza Awards and Kenya Wall Street for allowing us to, to be on this platform. So thank you very much, Ellie. You're welcome. I think that's all I had for today. To our listeners, that was Elizabeth Osuna Ochoa, the Director of Business Banking at ABSA, Bank Kenya PLC, and also one of the top 10 finalists for the Angaza Awards. You can get to learn more about her by visiting the Angaza Awards page in Kenyan Wall Street. Just search um, Elizabeth Osuna Ochoa. There's a brief on some of the initiatives, amazing, amazing work she has done inside the bank and beyond. Thank you so much for joining this podcast. Have a lovely day.